Well, we get to continue our uh, series through Psalms, and this morning we're in Psalm 56, a personal favorite of mine, one that is timely for those of us living in a moment with so many reasons for our hearts to fear. Psalm 56, I'll read the text, Psalm chapter 56, I'll read the superscription and then I'll I'll read the text. To the choir master, according to the dove on far off terebinths, a mitcom of David, when the Philistines seized seized him in Gath. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape? In wrath cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before the Lord in the light of life. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we come to you with hearts that are frankly troubled by many things. Many different types of fears weigh on us, even gripping us in the icy grasp, the paralysis that fear brings. We are in need of your help. We need your word to thaw out our hearts, to remind us the reason we have not to fear, the reasons that are sure because they are in you. Would you grant us that, to be able to live a courageous life for Christ? We, we ask these things in his mighty name. Amen. Discovering how to face your fears is the only way to reach your full potential. So instead of avoiding fear, face your fears and learn how to live limitlessly. Those words are on a website. For a very tall, very handsome, very successful motivational speaker. He's inviting people to come with him on a journey, a journey to live the limitless life, to face down your fears by looking deep within and finding that you had more strength in your heart than you knew possible. So much strength that you could even do something that seems crazy, like walk across hot coals with bare feet. That man sells out conferences. He has best-selling books. He's on TV if you look on the right channels. He is selling you something that I'm here to tell you your heart wants to believe. 
that you are enough. That if you would just summon enough courage, believe hard enough, try hard enough, then you can face down anything. That your heart is inexhaustible and the resources it has to face the things that make you scared. Brothers and sisters, I'm here this morning to tell you that that message, as attractive as it is, is a lie. Your heart is not a limitless reservoir of strength. There are many threats, many dreads that may come upon your soul that can do you real harm. My guess is I don't have to work very hard to convince you that there are things that make you scared. All of us deal with it. It's one of the most basic of human conditions. We're scared of failing. We're scared of being alone. We're scared of being in pain. Many of us are scared of dying. The question is not whether or not we will face fears, but what do you do when you are faced with fear? Uh, It's instructive that one of the most common commands in the Bible is to fear not. But how do you actually do it? Well, Psalm 56 is in your Bible to show you how it is that you can live free from fear. And the solution is not your own heart. The solution is looking outside of yourself to the God who is for us. That's what we're going to see this morning. That as Christians, that we are to fear not flesh nor foes because God is for us. We'll see that in three sections, which are three questions from the lips of David to your heart to ask when you are faced with fears. Questions that you can turn the tables on fear to ask, to trust the God that is for you. These are those three questions. First, what can flesh do to me? What can flesh do to me in verses 1 through 7? Second, what does God think of me? What does God think of me in 8 through 11? And then finally, what has God done for me? What has God done for me in verses 12 through 13? Let's begin with that first question. What can flesh do to me? Well, the short answer is that flesh can do a lot. There is a chorus to this song. It's repeated twice and. 3 through 4, as well as in 9 through 10. I'll read the first part of it, uh, basically word for word. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? This is one of those psalms that has a historical setting that ties it to a specific situation. That superscription I read beforehand said it was... Uh, written for the occasion when mighty King David was in the court of the king of uh, Gath, whose name is Achish. Uh, if you're not familiar with the story, it's from Saul, uh, 1 Samuel 21. David was well before he uh, had risen to power. He was short on friends. He was poorly equipped. He didn't have enough food and he had nowhere safe to go. So David, doing what a desperate man might, he picked one awful out of a slew of bad options. He decided he was going to run to Goliath's hometown of Gath. Now, I don't know what he thought was going to happen. 
uh, the, the fabled giant slayer coming to Goliath's whole hometown. Uh, by the way, he was carrying Goliath's sword when it happened, as best we can tell. Immediately he is recognized and seized by the guards and brought straight to the king. Mighty, courageous King David. What does he feel in that moment? Well, 1 Samuel 21, 12 tells us. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. Mighty King David, giant slayer, was quaking in his boots. Because what can flesh do to me? Well, according to David, it can do a lot. Uh, He gives us two sections here, verses 1 through 2 and 5 through 6, where he describes what flesh can do to him. And it is, frankly, pretty bad. In 1 through 2, he says, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. David imagines his uh, enemies as a trampling set of troops. They are marching on top of him with their big combat boots. Again and again, they march up and down, making his life miserable. They never stop. They never get tired. He never gets a moment of relief. That's not bad enough. In five through six, we see it's not just their, their physical assault upon him. It's also their words. All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. He imagines them like snipers waiting to shoot him with slander. Just waiting for the right opportunity to ruin his life. Using lies to get people to be his enemies. To one day... Uh, lead to his demise. Now, whether David has in mind the, the words the soldier said as he was brought to Achish or, or other enemies that might have said something to get Saul uh, angry at him, we don't know. But we know the feeling his heart is, uh, the fear his heart is facing in this moment. He feels trapped. He feels like wherever he turns, there are enemies doing him harm and he has no strength to resist them. What does David do in a moment like that? What do you do when the answer to the question, what can flesh do to me, is a lot? What we see in verse 7. He finds shelter for his fear. Shelter by looking to his God. For their crime will they escape? In wrath cast down the peoples, O God. Uh, David first remembers the the, the fact of God's justice. He asks, God, are they going to get away with this forever? Or are you just going to sit by idly? And the second half of that verse it tells us, no, there, there's an expectation. God sees what is happen, happening, and God will do something about it. See, the first step for a Christian to fight back against fear in your heart is to realize that there is something worth fearing more than flesh, or foes, or anything else that you might find dreadful in this world. There is someone more worthy of your fear, someone bigger than your fears, God himself. What can flesh do to you? Well, frankly, a lot. They could beat your body. 
They could ruin your reputation. They could steal your treasure. They, they can make life miserable for you. People can harm you in great ways. But consider what they can't do. No matter how mighty your foe, no matter how determined or devious, they can never change your eternal destiny if you're a Christian. They might be able to reach your body with their hands to do you harm, but they can never reach your soul, which is secure in Christ. Uh, didn't Jesus teach his disciples this very thing? Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. See, the first way to fight back against fear is place it in the right place. We should fear God more than even our foes. And as we do, we can begin to thaw out our hearts that have been frozen by fear. Uh, This is logic easy enough for a, a child to understand. Kids, is there anything that scares you? Maybe spiders or the dark or some other thing that maybe even feel a little bit silly admitting you're a little scared of. Does it help your heart to realize that God is bigger than whatever it is that scares you? That however much it may feel like that thing might threaten you, that to God, whatever it is, it is absolutely tiny, minuscule. God could smush it like a bug. And if God has promised to always be with you, then maybe you don't have so much reason to fear. Uh, Adults realize that we are not free from fear ourselves. We can apply this same logic to our own hearts. Uh, Maybe this morning you find yourself feeling as if that you are fearing something too much. Uh, I'm not talking about the the healthy sort of caution of prudence. Uh, I'm talking about the The sort of fear that paralyzes you, the the fear you know that you should not have, and yet you find yourself feeling again and again anyway. Maybe this morning God wants to remind you that he's bigger than whatever it is that you're scared of. Let that image of a big God squishing a small bug help your heart to find some security. I think one area where adults tend to see this sort of fear pop up is when it comes to fear of what people think of us. Sometimes we call it fear of man. Have you ever had this happen? You, you have a conversation with someone, and maybe the conversation doesn't go particularly well. And you, you leave the conversation, you think to yourself, well, man, that was, I came off just seeming really foolish, really, really immature. And would you know, you were, replay that conversation in your head over and over and over as the day goes on. You, you may even fantasize about being able to go back and change the things you said so you didn't sound so ridiculous. Why do we do that? It's because we care what people think about us. We fear them, even. Uh, what if you weren't asking the question, do they think I'm awkward Do they think I'm crazy or strange? Instead, you're asking the question, was God pleased with my heart the way I had that conversation? Was I as loving to that person as I should have been? Might God even use my awkwardness as an instrument of his grace in their life? No matter how old we are, we need to learn this lesson. To fear God and not men. I uh, 
had the privilege of getting to know someone who had an outreach in one of the most dangerous cities in the world. Uh, it was in the neighborhood of Chicago that was regularly at the top of a chart you don't want to be at the top of, a uh, murder rate per capita. He had been there for over a decade by the time I met him. I used to bring uh, busloads of students to spend a day with him in this inner city, very dangerous neighborhood, uh, doing a little part of his ministry, mainly just seeing how he did ministry. Uh, very often, parents would ask, you know, is it safe to go there? And he would say, well, you know, I, I can't promise that nothing will happen, but I can tell you I've been here for over a decade doing this, and the Lord's kept me safe. He told me one time where he was beginning to feel a little less than safe. One night, their child was sleeping in the house in that neighborhood, and they heard a gunshot, which was not unusual for them to hear. But they also heard their child crying. They ran into the child's room and found a bullet hole just a few inches above the crib. And they decided maybe it wasn't the wisest thing for them to be living in the neighborhood anymore. He told me another occasion where he had been told by people that knew this sort of thing that one of the local gangsters had put out a hit on him, that uh, he, someone was coming to kill him within the next couple of days. He said that he, he knew at that moment that what they were saying was probably true. They weren't lying to him. But he also knew that if God had called him to this place, then he could, he could face anything. As it turned out that there was some inner workings within the gangs that no one knew would happen, and he was safe and sound the whole time. You could have that sort of courage. Because God is bigger than your foes and your fears. Now, that only works if you know something about God. Not just that he's bigger than the things that scare you, but that he's someone, someone that you can trust. Someone who's on your side. That's what the second question you need to ask, learn to ask yourself is. Verses 8 through 11. What does God think of me? What does God think of me? In verse 8, David uses three images to get across the idea that God cares for him by paying attention to him in the midst of his suffering. It says, you have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? What's scarier than suffering? Suffering alone with no one taking notice. These three images carry across this firm faith that David has, that God is noticing the things that are happening to him. Uh, the times when he is tossed and even knocked down, God's taking note of each and every one of them. The tears that he is shedding, the, the crying, the rivers of tears that come out of his eyes evening after evening, they're being collected in a wineskin. They are precious to God. None of it's wasted. Uh, even the very happenings of all of his sufferings and the fears that he is experiencing, they are written down in a tome. Each pain has a paragraph and a story God has written for his life. It, the, the image is unmistakable. that he, All three of these images come together to show none of it is wasted. None of it is by accident. None of it is meaningless. None of it is forgotten. In verse 9, he brings it all together. Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, 
that God is for me. He imagines a day coming when his prayers will be answered immediately. When God will come and vindicate him. And on that day, he knows this will happen because God is not against him. God is for him. God is for you. It means he is not angry with you. He's not ignoring you. He's not forgotten about you. He certainly has not abandoned you. If God is for you, it means he is on your side. He loves you. He cares for you. And one day you will see that he is helping you. As Christians, we we know the comfort this brings, don't we? There are a reason why so many of us have memorized Romans 8, 31 through 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? When you find yourself fearing, look to what God did in sending his son, Jesus Christ. Look at the proof you have that God has not abandoned you or forgotten you. He's not angry with you. No, God is for you. He loves you. He is caring for you and he is helping you whether you have noticed it or not. Look to the proof that you have as you saw your Savior die for your sins. That God is on your side. And find the icy grasp of fear melting away. Parents, maybe you find yourself this morning, frankly, frustrated and fearful. It's a hard thing parenting normally. Parenting through a pandemic, that shouldn't be allowed. (laughs) Maybe you're frustrated with your kids. Maybe you're feeling like, I'm a failure. My, My kids are not where they need to be. I don't feel like they're making the progress they should. Maybe even start to wonder, is God upset with me? Is that why this is so hard? You need to hear this message. God is for you if you are in Christ. He has freely given you a gift. That right standing with you and him, it's not based on how well you parent. It's based on the love of the father to the son that he sent. That love that's now applied to you as someone who is in Christ. Whatever hard spot you're in. Don't fall into the trap of letting fear make you feel like you don't measure up to God's love. Your love is based on what God has done for you in Christ. Now, I know many of us, even those of us who are not parents, have had a fear-filled year. Uh, There are a multitude of things to worry about. Inflation and the stock markets rising up and down. Loved ones getting sick. The fear of getting sick ourselves. What society coming to? Uh, Maybe you find yourself wondering, is there a purpose in this year I've lived through? Is this painful thing, is it just a waste of emotional energy? Would you remember that each and every one of your tears are precious to the God that's for you? That whatever suffering you are going through, it's just a small part of a much bigger story, a story of grace that he's written long ago, a story that you are joyfully living out, a story that will one day end in the happiest of all endings. Brothers and sisters, don't fear. 
if God is for you, your eternal destiny is assured. There's one final question the text leads us to ask. One more thing that you can turn to your own heart and ask a question to break free of fear. Verses 12 through 13. What has God done for me? What has God done for me? Verse 12, he writes, I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling. That I may walk before God in the light of life. It's an amazing story. David managed to get out of Gath. How? Now, it's odd. This is one of those stories that uh, most people don't know. It's one of my favorites. David gets dragged before his sworn enemy, someone who has every reason to end his life and make him a notch in his uh, kingly belt. And yet David makes it out alive. How does he do it? Let me read you the, the verses. 1 Samuel 10, 13 through 15. So David just, his heart was quaking in fear. In verse 13. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane. Pretended to be insane in their hands and he made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see the man, the man is mad. Why have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And off David goes. Imagine that scene. Mighty King David, giant slayer, babbling like a baby drooling on himself and drawing on the walls. He is so desperate to get out of this. Frankly, what are the chances that this works? And yet it worked. And as David turned that moment where his heart was frozen in fear, so frozen that he would humiliate himself, as he turned it over in his mind, he realizes, God delivered me. God saved me. God took me out of the clutches of my enemies and gave me a new path to walk. A path lit up by God himself. It's a miracle, frankly. David walks away unscathed because God, God is a great deliverer, even in our greatest times of trouble. Let me ask you a question. What has God done for you? my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. What has he done for you to give you reason to trust him in whatever thing is making you afraid today? Certainly you can remember how he, he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins. Certainly you can remember how he rose from the dead so that you would have eternal life. I hope you remember that he sent his Holy Spirit to live within you to give you a new direction to life, to light up your life with the way he wants you to live. So what has God done for you? Well, well, everything. Everything needed for you not to live in fear and to remember that God is for you. If you, have no, if you know this God that David sings of, you have nothing to fear. 
And you have every reason to live a courageous life following his son, Jesus Christ. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I've been talking to people that believe something that changes the way they deal with their fears. I don't want to pretend for a second that you are immune to this very dynamic, that you feel fear yourself. I wonder, though, have you tried to overcome your fears with your own heart's resources? Have you tried to do that thing that that motivational speaker said to do, to to look deeper inside yourself? Have you found that it doesn't work? If so, maybe that's God trying to get your attention. To show you that what you need isn't deep inside you. No, it's outside of you. That what you need is to know the one who made you. To know you're in right standing with him. To know that he loves you. That he's not angry with you. That he delights in you. Friend, there's only one way to have that sort of knowledge about God. And that's if you come to him through his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, We Christians believe that the Bible teaches us that there is no way that we could ever be right before God, that we could never earn our way to him by living a good enough life or overcoming enough of our fears, that the only way to God is by accepting a gift he freely gave, the sending of his son as a man, a man who died on a very real cross to pay for very real sins so that you could be saved. But friend, you have to stop trusting your own heart. You have to stop pretending as if you have the strength in yourself to conquer your fears and and live a fruitful life. You need to trust his son, Jesus, for your today and your forever. If you do that, friend, if you turn from your sins and you trust Jesus, you'll find all you need. You'll find the grip that fear has on your heart loosened you'll find a strange sense that even in troubles and pains and trials, that you have a sense that God is with you, that he's not abandoned you, and that he loves you. Friend, if you don't know how to do that and you want to, after the service, come talk with me. I would love to introduce you to Jesus Christ today. Brothers and sisters, when you find your heart facing fears, would you remember that God is for you? There was a great missionary by the name of John G. Patton. He went to reach unreached people on islands off the coast of Australia. It was a a place that was known for being extremely hostile to outsiders. Uh, In fact, there were tribes that were known to be cannibals. When he announced his intentions, someone in a prayer meeting famously told him, if you go, you will be eaten by cannibals. Not exactly something that fills your heart with confidence, now is it? John G. Patton went to very dangerous places to reach people, people that didn't know Christ. And he found God delivered him out of many, many troubles. At one point, he and a friend were surrounded by angry tribesmen. It was a situation that looked very grim. They were egging each other on, trying to see who would be the first one to take the shot at the outsiders. Listen to his account of it. He said, at that moment, my heart rose up to the Lord Jesus. I saw him watching all the scene. My peace came back to me like a wave from God. I realized that I was immortal 
till my master's work with me was done. The assurance came to me as if a voice out of heaven had spoken that not a musket would be fired to wound us, not a club prevail to strike us, not a spear leave the hand in which it was held vibrating to be thrown, not an arrow leave the bow or a killing stone from the fingers without the permission of Jesus Christ, whose is all power in heaven and on earth. Brothers and sisters, you serve the same Savior, Jesus Christ. Which means your heart can be free of fear, just like his was in that moment. Not because you're strong enough. Not because you're good enough. But because God is for you. And he is with you. Let's pray.